Welcome, everyone, to the Ready for the Draft podcast. I am your host, Greg Schutz. This is episode nine of the 2022 podcast series, where we take a look at the draft-eligible prospects and get you ready for the NFL draft. And I'll tell you what, if week two was the week of the upset, week three really kind of put things into perspective. All of our top teams won in convincing fashion. Majority of those in non-conference play. Week three weekend, actually got to go to a concert with my wife. Uh, So had to play a little bit of catch up with some of these games. Went and saw the Goo Goo Dolls on the 17th. And then just a few days later on the 20th, got to see Pearl Jam. If you haven't seen Eddie Vedder, Mike McCready, and the guys in concert, definitely have to go check them out. And one plug, look, they're not sponsoring me or anything, um, but... What's beautiful about the music scene is you meet all kinds of different people from all different walks of life. Halsey's Custom Culinary. I'm really excited to try some of their food. Uh, they really have a cool setup. Uh, you know, Mr. Halsey got to meet him at the concert. Jesse, um, he's a veteran. Thank you for your service. Um, but in terms of you know everything from th- those tacos, I'm a California guy, so I'm really eyeing the taco bar to doing some of the meal preps get some of that catering done for the next block party. Really looking forward to that, sir. If you're in the Oklahoma City area, check out Halsey's Custom Culinary. You'll be glad that you did. He's a good dude. We were rocking out to some Pearl Jam. And if you know anything about Pearl Jam, they're from Seattle. Who else is from Seattle? The Washington Huskies. That's right. Washington Week 3 really had an interesting game against Michigan State. Taking on the, the, the Spartans in Husky Stadium, and I'll tell you what, they came to play. They showed up, showed out, and really represented the Pac-12. Pac-12 is really showing up well this season. Everyone's talking about USC and Utah, and for good reason. We forgot about Oregon a little bit after the drubbing by Georgia, but they're back into the mix, especially after what they did to BYU Week 3. Washington against Michigan State, that's really where I want to start. And when you look at Michael Penix Jr., you know, in the game, 24 of 40, 397 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. I think that's a key there. Also have four carries, 41 yards. But Michael Penix Jr., I think, you know, battling the injury that he sustained there in Indiana, you know, 2020 was a huge year for both him and Ty Freifogel. Really throwing the ball at will in Big Ten play. Nearly upset Michigan. And um, 2021 was a difficult year. Ultimately, you saw the struggles there with Fry Fogel really not getting on the same page with the quarterback play there. Penix Jr. decides he's going to transfer to Washington, and I'll tell you what, this dude was was throwing some some deep balls, excellent touch and trajectory on the deep ball. But this guy's a lefty, the southpaw, so you have to get used to that that style of throwing. You know, this guy he has good, not great arm strength, but you know, really good mechanics. Uh, the deep ball really seemed to to throw that the, the nice arc to allow his receivers, especially Jalen Polk, the, the speedy uh, receiver there out on the outside, uh, a guy who had six catches for 153 yards and three scores. Um, Penix Jr. I thought definitely helped himself. Uh, the back shoulder throws. I, I gotta you know be, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about some of the back shoulder throws. He put the ball when his receiver was even with that corner. He put those back shoulder throws, stop on a dime, receiver pivots, catches the ball to the outside where only his man can come up with the football. Um, Some of those throws up to 30 yards down the field on the money. Michael Penix Jr. I think definitely helped himself. He was one of the forgotten men. Uh, A guy who, look, I, I believe he has another year of eligibility left. So he can come back to Washington for one more season, play under Pac-12 you know, play uh, one more year, uh, especially with all the quarterbacks that we're talking about throughout this season. Um, I, I think it may behoove him to come back for one more year and really show out and show why um, you know, 2021 really that, that whole year was a fluke, throw it away, allow him to uh, really elevate his game there with the Huskies. And uh, you know, Pac-12, especially the, the teams there in the north, they're going to have to watch out for Michael Penix Jr., that's for sure. One other guy that I have to talk about is Bo Nix. Eugene, Oregon has to be doing cartwheels, getting Bo Nix in the fold. And look, I mentioned, I think on the last podcast, that I didn't understand the hype around Bo Nix. And a lot of that had to do with what he was doing there at Auburn. And really, against Georgia, you saw some of the same uh, behaviors out of Bo Nix. Just really struggled to get anything going against Georgia. And... What has Bo Nix done since then? Well, look, you know, against 
BYU. He just he looked like a completely different player. I think he was really pressing there at Auburn. Had an ankle injury last year as well. But you remember, this was a kid growing up. He was a legacy, man. This guy, he was destined to go to Auburn. You know, there's the video of him in the end zone as a kid at Jordan-Hare Stadium. This guy was destined to be uh, an Auburn Tiger. The change of senior, I think, has definitely helped. Suddenly, you know, we're seeing him. You know, he's rolling out, keeping those eyes down the field, finding open receivers on these crossing routes, putting enough air under his deep balls to allow his receivers to run underneath it. You know, he and Tony Franklin were, were really in a groove during that game. Franklin finished the game. I don't even think Franklin started. Still finished leading the team in receiving yards with 84. Had three catches on the day. But, you know, again, it was all about Bo Nix. Finished the day 13 of 18. Very effective. 222 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. That's the big thing. He wasn't pressing, wasn't making stupid mistakes. Nine carries for, for 36, uh, 38 yards, sorry, and three touchdowns. This was the guy, look, he was six of six for 104 yards before his first incompletion. Um, and really, you know, at that point, you know, further on into the game, 11 of 14 for 204 yards and a, and a touchdown with 9.35 to go in the third quarter. They kind of shut things down after that. Oregon winds up winning 41 to 20. But those two quarterbacks absolutely set the stage and said, look, there's more than just Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud out there. You know, I've got my top 10 uh, out on the readyforthedraft.com website. And, you know, we talk about Will Levis. We talk about a lot of these other guys that are going to enter this year's draft. Guys like Bo Nix and Michael Penix Jr., if you can stay another year, and I believe Bo Nix still has the ability to, to stay one more year there at Oregon, it may behoove both of these guys to stay there in the Pac-12 and, and really show out. And if they're able to do that, then I think that improves their draft stock. If they do enter the draft, I think they are have proven that they are um, draft-worthy. They, they fit into the NFL scheme. You know, they, they are mobile quarterbacks who have decent arms, not great arms. They're not going to wow you with, with the fastballs and such, but they have touch. They, they The anticipatory throws, you see those there as well with both of them. And look, Bo Nix is having fun out there, and uh, that's really what it's all about. So I, I think Pac-12 quarterback play is really something that we're going to be talking about as the season progresses. Speaking of quarterbacks, we got to talk about the number one team in the land, Georgia Bulldogs, blowing out South Carolina, 48 to seven. Stetson Bennett, this is a guy. Look, he's he's not the biggest dude at all, 5'11", 190 pounds. Not the biggest arm by any means. He had some of those throws in that game where he just couldn't throw. The, there was a fade pass, and he threw the ball way too far inside. The receiver didn't really even have a chance at the football, but. He just, he's so intelligent. He's very comfortable in his own skin, knows um, what, where to go with the football, reads the defense very well. You know, you just see the poise and, you know, he's under duress. They're coming in his face. He knows exactly where to go with the football. I mean, shoot, when you've got the best tight end in the game and Brock Bowers out there, I mean, obviously you're going to be, uh, you know, making some nice passes and uh, allowing them to, to take off and, and run with the football after the catch. But I think Stetson Bennett, look, 16 of 23, 284 yards, two touchdowns, no picks on the day. I think that's on, you know, just speaks volumes, uh, you know, for a guy who just continues the confidence, just continues to grow. And uh, he's one of those guys that I look at and say, you know what, he's got a chance to, if nothing else, make an NFL roster and be a, you know, be a backup in the league. Absolutely. Uh, Spencer Rattler, 6'1", 200. Uh, the, the Richards Jr. there out of South Carolina. Didn't have his best day. Uh, 13 to 25, 118 yards, couple of picks. Um, you know, he struggled. Definitely struggled in, in this game. He was just trying to do too much. I think that was really the biggest thing that you saw. Um, you, you wanted to see him uh, drive the football, and it just wasn't happening. You'd see him throwing into coverage. Uh, and I, I think this is a kid who, you know, all the hype and everything that's coming in, he needs to really rebuild his image and what he's got right now with, with South Carolina. This is a team that's that's struggling to get things going, really find an identity on offense. You know, should they be handing the ball? You know, who's who's the running back? Is it you know Marshawn Lloyd? Is it going to be Juju McDowell? Who do they have in the backfield? Who's his number one wideout? Is it the tight ends? You know, are we going to have somebody in that receiving core step up and be his number one wideout? 
you know, we really don't know exactly what South Carolina has. And so I, I think it's going to take some time with Spencer. I don't see him entering this year's draft. I think he's got a lot of work that he still needs to get done out there on the field before we see you know Spencer Rattler anywhere near um, considering entering the draft, or at least you know that's where it should be at, at this point. If we stay with that game for a second, we've got to talk about Darnell Washington. He is draft eligible, 6'7", 265 pounds, very physical as a receiver. You know, he, he lined up in the slot, runs an out route, kept his balance, carries a tackler for another seven yards, but then it was the blocking ability. Blocking on the edge for Brock Bowers, was split out wide for the reception. Then he blocks down on a linebacker to help seal the edge for the running back. To me, Darnell Washington is a guy that just continues to get better and better each and every week, and I'm more and more impressed with his play. He's a guy that I think should be in that top five tight end conversation in this year's draft. Kelly Ringo, you know, kind of an up and down season for me with him. You know, a lot of people had him at the top of their cornerback board. I had him at number two. I've dropped him to number three at this point. Um, you know, he was trailing uh, one of the receivers on a crossing route, and uh, the receiver ended up getting separation from him. Ball was put behind him, so he was able to take advantage and wrap up right after the catch. Had it been put out in front, had Spencer Rattler put the ball on the money, then you're probably looking at a receiver that's running away from, from Kelly Ringo. You know, like, like I said, a guy that has the ball skills and has the size, has the length, but a guy that you're waiting for him to really make some of these stellar plays, and we just haven't seen a ton of that. Brock, Broderick Jones has shown for me that he is a, a bona fide left tackle, a guy that can play at the next level. 6'4", 310 pounds. We weren't sure should he, he be kicking inside or not. Um, you love the knee bend and pass protection. You see the skip pull, getting down the line, put, getting a good block on the outside. Um, you know, he's able to, to take that defensive tackle, I think it was Tonka Hemingway, turned him outside, sealed him off on a run between the tackles. You love his, the, his ability to keep his feet underneath him, extends into the defensive end, keeps those feet moving to seal him, anchors very well. He pulls you know, to the left as a lead blocker, lines up the defensive back, drives him up the field, away from the running back, excellent leg drive. He slides very well in pass protection, good leverage and hand placement. This is a guy, I, I look at him and I see him as, as a top four tackle. I, I think the big three in the in the, the Big Ten, you know, Peter Skaronsky, Paris Johnson Jr., and Jalen Duncan are, are the top three in the draft right now. But Broderick Jones, as we continue to see him develop, he's one of those guys that I can see as an ascending prospect shooting up draft boards. He's definitely a guy to be on the lookout for, that's for sure. Now let's finish up the Oregon and Washington games before we go ahead and move on. When I look at Oregon, you know, Noah Sewell, to me, that, that inside linebacker there, 6'3", 251 pounds, the brother of Panay Sewell. When I look at Sewell, he was a guy that was kind of a read and react and just kind of flow, see ball, hit ball type of a linebacker. And I, I thought at times against BYU, we kind of got lost in the shuffle. We didn't always see him uh, making plays. Uh, you know, against Georgia, he was struggling to get off blocks. It just seemed to be a step slow. I think he's starting to hit his stride now, but definitely in that, that game against BYU, um, you know, it just left me wondering when we're going to see him making some plays. Now, Brandon Dorless up front, 6'3", 284 pounds. Um, I, I thought against BYU, we saw him use his hands very well. Um, you know, he beat the tight end, rip underneath, caused the whole play. Uh, fourth and one play, Casey Rogers, the defensive tackle, the transfer from Nebraska, gets good penetration up the field uh, with the O-line slanting. He was able to get up the field off the hip of the right guard, drop the running back for a loss of one. Big play there for Oregon, turnover on downs. And then I'll tell you what, the transfer from Colorado, Christian Gonzalez, this guy looks like a dude. Uh, redshirt sophomore, 6'2", 200 pounds, had outside leverage against uh, Dallin Hooker, back shoulder throw, able to get his eyes around and a hand in to knock away the pass and force fourth down. Shows off that length. This is a guy who was definitely impressive in that game. Only had a couple of tackles, but two pass breakups. You love the length. I think he's only a redshirt sophomore. He's one of those guys that is going to continue to rise up draft boards. He's one of the better corners, I think, already in uh, all of college football. And if we go to the other side of the field, BYU, Jaron Hall, another quarterback to talk about, 29 to 41, 303 yards, uh, a couple of scores, eight carries for 19 yards as well. This was a guy who was absolutely off to a hot start, 12 of 13 for 152 yards, 
and the score, has this really quick release, and one of those guys, you know, he was rolling out to his left, gets his hips around, shoulders square to the target, on the money, on the move, 12 yards, pretty good zip on the football as well. Do play shortstop in high school, and, and it, the ability to roll out, whether it's to his left or his right, it absolutely shows uh, you know, what he was able to do out on, on that, that baseball diamond. Uh, you know, he was retreating with the defensive end coming off the edge in his face. Showed really good arm strength to deliver the ball on a line, off his back foot, put the ball where only his tight end could make a play on the run for a 28-yard touchdown. Um, so I thought that was really an impressive throw as well. Um, hit Isaac Rex, the guy who's coming back from injury. He looks like a guy, you know, obviously he needs to continue to, to, to build um, up that strength, but a guy who I think... Um, I'm going to keep continue to keep a good eye on him because if he can get back from that ugly injury, Isaac Rex will be a guy that we'll be talking about possibly next year. I think Jaron, Jaron Hall, look, he's 6'1", 205, only a junior. I think it would behoove him to come back for one more year. Um, you know, look, what he's done without his top two receivers has been phenomenal. You know, not having a Gunnar Romney or Puka Nakua, you know, the, the chemistry that he's been able to build with Chase Roberts, a freshman, it, it's been pretty impressive. Jaron Hall, I think, is kind of flying under the radar for most. He's a guy that I've put into my top 10, a guy that I think could be a day three pick right now. Let's see how the rest of the 2022 season pans out. You know, we know what happened with Zach Wilson and his rise to stardom. I'm not saying that Jaron Hall is, is there yet by any means, but this is a guy, you know, he may want to come back to BYU for one more year and see about challenging for that next that upper echelon of the quarterbacks. There's just so many quarterbacks in this year's draft. Does he want to throw his hat into the ring or does he want to hold off and wait until 2024? It's going to be interesting to see you know his progression as the season comes along. Uh, you know, I thought Blake Freeland, the offensive lineman, showed really nice feet. And I think there's no question that Blake Freeland, 6'8", 305, the junior there for BYU, you know, we know that he's a good athlete. He's more of a finesse tackle. We don't see a ton of, of power to his game right now. But, you know, you saw him pull around to the right uh, through the A-gap, took on a linebacker at the second level, got a good block, running back followed off of that block. Um, so Blake Freeland's a guy that uh, I think is continuing to impress and a guy that we should be watching out for uh, down the road as a top 10 tackle for the 2023 draft. And then Max Tooley is a guy that, to me, looks like an NFL linebacker. He's 6'2", 215 pounds, so he's a little undersized. Retro junior at this point, eight tackles and a tackle for loss. A guy that just seemed to fly around, look for the football, looks to, to drill guys and make a big hit, but also a very sure tackler in the open field. Um, you know, I think that's really what Kalani Sataki was looking for, was uh, guys that would bring that intensity, bring that ability, that physicality. And, and honestly, Oregon took it to him. You know, the athleticism, I thought their line was very physical as well. I thought that uh, Alex Forsythe, the center, definitely impressed. He's one of those guys that, you know, where does he fall in this, this draft class at the center position? I think he could be a top five center in this draft. Um, you saw the leg drive getting his hands under the pad level of that defensive tackle, Gabe Summers, who's a big dude. Got him down the field in the run game. Um, defensive tackle jumped right in front of him snap the ball, got a free play out of it, so using his smarts as well. I think Alex Forsyth, 6'3", 303, is a guy that we should be keeping an eye on. And, uh, you know, that offensive line, there are a lot of guys that could be playing in the NFL. I honestly still think that Alex Forsyth is the best of that bunch. And one player of note, Michigan State, yes, I know they lost 39-28 to, uh, to the Huskies. Uh, you know, even before we get to the guy I wanted to talk about, uh, Jacoby Winman, uh, Peyton Thorne, 30 of 42, 323 yards, three touchdowns, and a pick. Um, a guy, look, he's a redshirt junior. He's a gamer. Um, started the game 10 for 10. Um, a guy to keep an eye on there in the Big Ten. You know, but he's he's had his struggles as well this year. I, I think really looking for an identity on offense. Who's going to be the, the guy to step up, especially with Jaden Reed out and Keon Coleman was his receiver to do that. 6'4", 215 pounds, a sophomore, received basketball offers, uses that big body as a basketball player would to shield the defender from the football. He 
He's a guy to keep an eye out for there uh, for Sparty. But Jacoby Whitman, that UNLV transfer, I got to watch him play there for the uh, the, the running Rebels. And uh, you know, I thought as an outside linebacker, I, I thought he was a guy that really showed off his speed in space. They lined him up at, at defensive end, gets his hand in the ground, have four sacks in week one. I think he struggles to get off blocks. That's his biggest thing. I think he has to play in space. Struggle to set the edge. Anytime the left tackle, Troy Fatanu, got his hands on him, it was over. Couldn't set a, a strong edge, and anytime the ball was run in that direction, Wayne Talapapa was getting to that edge because Jacoby Wimman struggled to get off those blocks. Allow him to be a stand-up edge rusher, and I think you're going to see much more production coming out of Jacoby Wimman. He's a guy who was on my radar when he was at UNLV, but now that he's getting to play at Michigan State, everybody is going to see him on this stage, and I'm really excited to see what Wimman can do because I think he's one of the better edge rushers in the country. Now, if we're talking about tradition, there may not be a better game than OU Nebraska. And this game took place in Lincoln Memorial Stadium. I think there was still a sellout, even though Nebraska struggling with the firing of Scott Frost. Oklahoma, 49-14 winners, number six Sooners. And I'll tell you what, um, Eric Gray is a guy that we should be talking about as a top 10 running back in this draft class. 11 carries, 113 yards, two touchdowns. Also had a reception for four yards. Um, but this is a guy that he can run between the tackles. He can run out in space, has good athleticism. I'd honestly like to see Jeff Levy get a more of a dose of Eric Gray, allow him to do what he does in space. And then Marvin Mims on the outside. Like I said, I've been looking for somebody who's going to take over that Jahan Dotson type of role in this year's draft class. You know, be that undersized guy, a guy that you can line up in the slot and be one of those speedy weapons. And Marvin Mims is a guy, I don't think he's necessarily on that level, but definitely has that vertical speed. 5'11", 177 pounds. He's explosive, had a 25-yard pump return, but also understands some of the nuances. He's going to sit down in the zone. A lot of the college players that we're seeing right now are continuing their route, and ultimately the quarterback's throwing behind them because they're not settling down in the zone like they're expecting him to. Marvin Mims showing a much better understanding of the offense and really what the defense is trying to do uh, to stop him. Had four catches for 66 yards on the day. Really a nice day there for Marvin Mims overall. Guy I really wanted to see though was the big left tackle, Anton Harrison, big number 71, 6'5", 315 pounds, has tremendous length. I thought he struggled at times against Kent State with quickness off the football. I was there at the game, and it seemed like there were a lot of times where guys were just flat out beating him off the ball. They were getting to the edge. He was slow to get his hands on them. But what I love to see against Nebraska was, you know, he'd have that kick slide. He'd get out of his stance early. He'd set up, and then the edge rusher would then try to make that spin move back to the inside. and was really easily able to slide back inside, pick him up, and wall him off wanted to see how he would respond after having a game that I didn't think lived up to his standard, and I thought Harrison absolutely stepped up and showed out for that. Brayton Willis is another interesting guy. Just two catches for 19 yards, but look, 6'4", 235 pounds. This is a guy that does a little bit of everything for you. You're going to see him um, you know, make a catch behind the line, then throw the football 24 yards to, to Marcus Major on one play. Then he's actually a lead blocker for Marcus Major on another. Runs a really crisp out route, makes the catch, drags a tackler, lowers his shoulder, able to fight through for seven yards, falling forward. Uh, a guy that always seems to be playing with maximum effort. Definitely sure that that's something Deadpool would approve of. Reggie Grimes, three tackles on the day and a tackle for loss. Uh, the junior, 6'4", 270 pounds, showed speed to the perimeter to really bottle up the running back. Um, ultimately, the corner threw him for loss. But what you love to see was that speed getting to the outside, being able to chase down the running back, string that play out, spill him to that corner there on the outside, and ultimately get a tackle for loss on the play. Um, OU, uh, you look, you know, they, they looked dominant against Nebraska. Um, I, I thought O'Shawn Mathis for uh, the Cornhuskers. You know, he was aggressive coming down on the screen. Quarterback looked to throw to the running back. Gets big, big leap, full extension, forced the high throw. Dylan Gabriel, not the biggest quarterback by any means, so trying to throw over uh, the big 6'5", 257-pounder. Obviously, he's going to miss on that. Uh, maintain leverage on an end around. Drop Drake Stoops for no gain. 
You know, he's not getting home uh, consistently, but this is definitely a guy that you can see the smarts are absolutely there. Seven tackles, a quarterback hurry. Uh, you want to see him make those sacks, make those plays behind the line of scrimmage, and we're not seeing a ton of that. But what you do love is just how active he is. I thought, for me, he was kind of the standout um, because you really didn't see anybody else getting home, making plays. Garrett Nelson, I think, struggled um, whenever he went up against Anton Harrison. He was literally shut down for the most part. Luke Reimer was probably the most active of the linebackers. Uh, a guy, you know, it was a coverage sack, kept working and working and working until he got to Dylan Gabriel. A guy, look, maximum effort. You talk about him on punk cover, 6'1", 225 pounds, the junior there for Nebraska. Uh, those were a couple of guys that I was keeping an eye out for as I was watching that game. I think everybody was wondering what was going to happen with Marcus Freeman and his Fighting Irish, uh, especially after you know starting the season 0-2. Cal Bears show up, Notre Dame Stadium, what was going to happen there? And look, Notre Dame, they had the, a hard-fought win, 24-17. They, they showed uh, their ability to battle back and ultimately win that football game. And uh, look, I still think that they're struggling to find an identity on offense. Drew Pine, I think, slowly started to build some of that confidence. 17 to 23 on the day, 150 yards and a couple of touchdowns, no picks. I think that's one of the big things that, that you could take away from the game was his ability to rise up and, and have a much better game than he did uh, against Marshall. Um, but look, I think it's all about Michael Mayer, the tight end. You know, this is the, the number one tight end. He's a big, strong target on the outside. Hands catcher away from his body. Um, even as the cornerback uh, wraps him up, no way that they're able to get to the football to make a play on it using that big body. Um, you love his ability to really line up wherever on that football field, whether it's outside, inside. Um, the route running, though, he runs a seam route, gives a defender an outside move at the stem, Plants cuts back to the inside, separates from the defender. Pine threw a little bit too high, just missed him, but you love the route running ability. Um, gets out in front of Brayden Lindsay on a jet sweep, climbs to the second level to the corner, Colin Gamble. Drives him five yards down the field and then shoves him down to finish. Um, I, I think at times his pad level gets a little too high as a blocker. It gets him into trouble a little bit, but dude, this guy can play, and I think he absolutely showed that. Uh, against Cal. First and goal for the six. Lined up in the slot. Takes two, step, two steps and a stutter on the lineback, linebacker Braxton Croteau. Uh, it shows the linebacker an outside release. Plants cut back to the inside. Crosses his face. Easy win on the slant for a touchdown. Two catches for 10 yards on the day. But look, Michael Mayer is still a difference maker. Even if he doesn't catch a ton of passes, he's still going to be out there playing hard for you. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's why he's, he's the number one tight end right now is, is his ability to do a little bit of everything. Jarrett Patterson, number 55, center guard, playing left guard now, 6'4", 307. Glad to have him back in the lineup. And, and look, this is a guy that I, I thought had a great game there against Cal. Um, showing the awareness to pick up defenders on stunts. You saw him sit down, active hands in pass protection. A lot of times the defensive tackle is trying to chop his hands down, able to replace, shoot them back inside immediately. Uh, defensive tackle even tried to leap to knock a pass down. Gave him this nice two-hand shove to knock him down. Uh, you know, it had me laughing uh, you know, with that the physicality there. There's a screenplay, gets out wide to take on Jackson Sermon. As the running back went to cut, linebacker tried to wrap up, was able to drive him to the ground. Um, just love his ability to anchor at the point of attack as well. To me, uh, Jared Patterson is one of the best guards in this year's draft. He was a center. I had him as one of my top centers. I think as a guard, he may actually be the best guard in this year's draft. And the versatility just adds to that draft stock. Um, you know, And I think he's just going to continue to get better coming off of that injury. Um, I, I think his best games are, are ahead of him. Uh, Isaiah Foskey, look, four tackles, have one and a half sacks in this game, two tackles for loss. Uh, a guy who has tremendous speed coming off the edge. I think that's one of the things that you see ran by the right tackle. Um, did use a, a two-hand swipe on the speed rush, flattens out in a hurry, chases the quarterback down from behind, uh, taking Jack Plummer down. Uh, there was a fourth and ten play from uh, the Notre Dame 22-yard line. Beats the left tackle, getting into the chest of him off the football. Uses it, you know, inside shoulder right into his chest. And uh, Ben Coleman just really didn't have a chance at that point. Rips through as he's turning the corner. 
gets to Plummer, slings him down for the sack, turnover on downs. Um, really kind of reached out as he was going by and was able to take the quarterback down. For me, Isaiah Foskey, he's kind of a tweeter. Is he a uh, an outside linebacker? Is he a defensive end? He's one of those tweeters, 6'5", 260 pounds. He can go either way. I think that versatility, you know, some people say, ah, the tweener is not going to really fit. Where is he really going to go in the draft? I think it actually helps him because he can play multiple roles and he'll fit into either an even or odd man front because of his ability to play either with his hand in the dirt or as a stand-up edge rusher. Now, I think if we move on, we go to Atlanta, Georgia, Bobby Dodd Stadium. First chance for me to get to see Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin's crew, 42 to nothing win over the rambling wreck of Georgia Tech. Um, and I'll tell you what, Jackson Dart is an intriguing prospect. I think that's for sure. 10 to 16, 207 yards, did throw a pick in the game, but uh, the athleticism is is scary. This is a kid who is, is very athletic. The USC transfer, he's somebody, you give him time with Lane Kiffin, especially you saw what happened with Matt Corral. Jackson Dart is one of those guys that we're going to be talking about in the next next couple of years, depending on when he decides to enter the draft. Zach Evans, look, 5'11", 212 pounds. Lane Kiffin gets him from TCU. Uh, 18 carries, 134 yards, couple of touchdowns on the day. This is a decisive runner, a guy who just he wants to get north and south. He wants to run you over. He's got that physicality. He's got that balance after the initial contact, falling forward after uh, you know, getting that extra yards after that initial contact. You saw a blitz coming off the edge to the left, puts his foot in the ground, cuts to the right with a huge hole to get through, stiff arm on the defensive tackle, speed to daylight, gets north and south, and is gone on a 26-yard touchdown. He's powerful, he's physical, wants to get his foot in the ground and go, but he has the speed at the next level to get yards in bunches. He's one of those guys that I'm going to be keeping an eye out for, for sure, as the season goes along. A running back that, where do exactly do I put him? I think I've got him in my top six right now. He's a guy that could definitely rise up my board, though, um, looking at that group of running backs. There are a lot of talented backs in that top six. I think number six right now feels right for Zach Evans. Nick Broker, dude, 6'5", 305. This guy was a left tackle, but when you watch him there playing that guard, I think he is the best guard. I just said Jarrett Patterson might have been. Nick Broker is. This dude, you know, the leverage that he plays with, he sits down, shoots those hands inside, pass pro, not moved off his spot at all. Gets under the pad level of a defensive end, uh, Keon White, a guy that I think is um, an NFL prospect there for the Yellow Jackets. Drives him toward the sideline to help open up a big hole. He pulls around. Well, this dude was pulling. I mean, it was absolutely ridiculous. He read White going deeper into the backfield, changed his course to pick him up, takes on White head up, heads up on a run play uh, to Quinchon Judkins, was able to use his hands, gets him underneath to seal, then throws him to the ground. Very quick out of his stance. You love seeing him pull, but he gets left to right, lines up the defensive end, seals him off. Zach Evans following that block, cuts right off of that, that block, and look, Zach Evans, I said he likes to get north and south. He's kind of a one-cut-and-go type of a guy. If he follows Nick Broker, he's going to open up holes for you. To me, you know, Broker, the athleticism, his ability to um, wall guys off, absolutely uh, the number one guard in this draft class. My apologies to Jared Patterson and Osiris Torrance, two other guys I'm a big fan of. Even uh, you know Andrew Voorhees there at USC, another athletic talented guard but Nick Broker is absolutely the guy that all of those guys are chasing at the top of that draft class we moved to Jordan Hare Stadium we talked about that earlier with Bo Nix and uh, Auburn well they, they, they struggled against Penn State 41 to 12 um, you know look the quarterback position when you've got two quarterbacks you really have none in a lot of our a uh, lot of respects T.J. Finley, Robbie Ashford really couldn't get things going against the Nittany Lion defense. And uh, when you watch that game, and really if you talk about any Penn State game, your eyes immediately go to Joey Porter Jr. And for good reason. He's 6'2", 192 pounds. I mean, he's the son of, of Joey Porter, a guy that was a lot of fun to watch there in the Steelers' black and yellow uh, but a, a guy that, look, in press coverage, he's looking to jam the receiver off the ball, very physical with his hands. 
Um, you know, he slides inside, receiver takes an outside release, but then he's able to flip those hips with that inside leverage, run with the receiver, keeps his eyes in the backfield, and there's no quarterback that's going to try to dare uh, Porter to, to get that football out there. That was one of the things that I thought was really impressive in that game. Uh, but I think Jair Brown, the safety, you needed a guy who was going to be a, a, a presence there on the back end of the defense along with Porter, especially now that Jaquan Brisker's gone. And Brown is absolutely that. Five tackles, a sack, a forced fumble, an interception that he returned for 27 yards. Uh, a guy that was making plays all over the field. But th with that interception, he was sitting underneath, reading the quarterback's eyes. Then uh, you know Ashford throws the football to the outside, tore the front pylon, and, and Brown undercuts the route picks off the pass and takes it off 27 yards. The eyes really took him to the football, and that's really where he was able to make play. I think he was sitting about 10 yards underneath the route, read the play, Astor tried to put the ball on a line, and he jumps the route, makes the pick. Excellent play there by J uh, Jair Brown. And, and look, this is a team, you know, we're, we're talking about Porter and Brown in the secondary. There are some young guys on offense that, you know, especially Nick Singleton, that running back, he looks like he could be a special guy down the road. Only a freshman now. 10 carries, 124 yards, two touchdowns. I think Penn State has their running back of the future. You, know, you talk about guys like Saquon Barkley. You know, we know the history at that running back position. You go back a little bit further, you got Curtis Enos. Kijana Carter was a number one overall pick. Nick Singleton's a dude that definitely looks like, you know, uh, James Franklin and company are going to ride the wave that is Nick Singleton for, for many years to come. I think for Auburn, when you watch Tank Bigsby play, and look, Tank, it's interesting that the name Tank, uh, you know, six foot, 208, um, but this is a guy, he likes to get downhill in a hurry. He, he shoots the crease. He will drag some of the tacklers. Um, you know, he's not a guy that's going to run people over, though. You'll see him, you know, the, the leg drive, you see the, the balance. He'll push for some extra yards. Um, only had 39 yards on the day, but you know had two catches for 38 yards. Um, you know a guy that can explode through the hole, likes to get downhill, finishes well, does a good job falling forward. Uh, Owen Papo, the the linebacker, look 6'1", 226 pounds. This dude is yoked out of his mind. He's he's absolutely huge. Um, gets to the outside as as Sean Clifford was running, closed in a hurry, face mask to face mask hit, nailed. The ball pops it out, ball rolled out to the sidelines, but really an exceptional hit, just lit him up. Took on the center, Juice Scruggs, took on his blocks, used his hands to get off that block, came downhill, wrapped up Kevon Lee, um, and brought him down. Really moves well laterally to the outside as well, chasing down the running backs from behind. And then Derek Hall, uh, another one of the better defenders in the SEC. 6'3", 256 pounds, had 12 sacks in the last 17 games to that point. Slid down the line, wraps up the running back for no gain. A guy that I think you know uses his hands very well. You see the slap and then a swim move, gets back inside, loves to use those up and unders, sets the edge well against the run. That's another thing that I thought really stood out and uh, uses left arm to kind of throw aside the left tackle. Uh, that was Pashanu, a guy that I think is an NFL prospect there at that left tackle position. Uh, you know, has some some seasoning still, but really took him, threw him aside, and then dropped the running back for no gain. Derek Hall is a guy that can play with physicality. I think he'll end up being, you know, could he be a, a defensive end, put his hand in the dirt? Sure. But let him play in space, let him run around. I think that's really where you're going to get the best bang for your buck for Derek Hall. A couple more games going through quickly. Syracuse, Purdue, Orange win 32-29. I'll tell you what, Payne Durham is a guy at that tight end position that is moving up my draft board, that's for sure. Showed that he can be a go-to target for Aiden O'Connell. Nine catches, 83 yards, two touchdowns on the day. This is a guy, look, he was a weapon, You know whether it was splitting him out down the scene. He was very difficult to bring down after the catch. You also saw him as a blocker, blocking down on the linebacker, allowing the, the running back, Devin Mockaby, to get a cutback lane coming off of his block. Lines up in the slot. Actually was lined up against a defensive tackle. Caleb uh, uh, Chukwu, uh, for some reason, was lined up on him. Ends up getting inside leverage up the seam. Ball was on him quickly to the inside. 15-yard gain. You saw speed up the seam, uncovered, called for the ball, made the catch, 18-yard gain. Takes a big hit from the defender, 
Helmet pops up, shows off the toughness, just stands right up, gives you the first down signal, picks up his helmet. Obviously, he's got to sit out for a play. But dude is tough, 6'5", 255, showed that he's not just a pass catcher, that he can also do the job as a uh, as a blocker as well. And I think that only helps your draft stock. And how about Charlie Jones? Look, chemistry with Aiden O'Connell and Charlie Jones, we, it's, it's been well documented, I think, to this point. Um, 11 catches, 188 yards, and a touchdown. This dude was beating Garrett Williams, one of the better corners in all of college football. You know, he was beating him deep down the sideline and, uh, you know, not always able to haul in the football. But, you know, you, you saw the, the body control. You know, Garrett Williams is down in, in soft coverage. Ball throws to the out, throws to the outside, extends for the football. You see the, the toes that he's dragging along the sideline there. Excellent routes in the slot. Starts up the field. Starts to the inside. Foot in the ground. Plants, cuts back outside, makes the catch, turns up field for 20 yards. Very athletic, underrated as a receiver. This is a guy who I think, you know, as we continue to watch him, you know, you think about guys that were difficult to cover in some of the different All-Star games, whether it was Cooper Cup or this past year it was Kyle Phillips. Charlie Jones is a guy, I think he has a little bit more speed than either of those two guys. He's going to be one of those guys. He's not very easy to cover by any means because he's got the speed, he's got the route running ability. Underrated in my opinion, Six foot, 188. He'll be a day three guy. He'll definitely make an NFL roster. Speaking of the cues, we talked about Garrett Williams. Look, he's a leading tackler at the cornerback position. Six foot, 190 pounds, the redshirt junior. He's not afraid to come downhill. I think that's one of the things that you definitely, you saw him come downhill and take on the tight end Payne Durham, was able to actually bring him down. Um, he's, a, he's a leader on the back end of that defense. I think that's some of the, one of the things that you definitely see. Closes quickly on the throws in front of him. Wraps up very well. Um, the biggest thing, though, was he was just giving up way too much cushion. I think he was worried about Charlie Jones and the speed. Um, but this guy, look, there's no doubt that he's confident. You know that. Did a lot of talking during the game. Um, you know, And one of the things that, I, that you did see, um, I mentioned a lot of the, the cushion that he was giving up. But he played in off coverage on third and sixth play. And Jones runs this out cut. Drives into him, plants and cuts to the outside. Literally no separation. Ultimately, the, the pass was completed, but it was a perfect throw to the outside where only Jones can make a play. But there was just no separation there from, from Garrett Williams. He's a guy that I enjoy watching play because of his physicality. He's not afraid to come downhill. He's not afraid to get his nose in, uh, in, in traffic. You know, he's vertical routes. He loves to get in phase. You'll see him hand fighting with the receiver down the field. I just don't want to see that giant cushion because that's really what they were able to do. Purdue was was throw in front of him and make a lot of plays uh, down the field. Sean Tucker for Syracuse, the running back. Look, this guy to me is still a top three or four running back in this year's draft class against Purdue. You saw the powerful leg drive to keep the pile moving. You know, this is the guy who joined this track team to also improve his speed. The vision, though, that's really the biggest thing that you see. He finds the hole, then he makes the defenders miss in the hole with this quick footwork. And then once that foot is in the ground and he explodes to the second level, speed, speed, speed. Very patient to set up his blocks. He loves his hands as a receiver as well. Just 42 yards on 18 carries, a couple of uh, receptions for 23 yards. But Sean Tucker, to me, you know, he's a guy that I think is going to continue to get better and better as the season progresses, a guy that's also going to get better and better as the game progresses. Matthew Bergeron, the junior tackle, 6'5", 325 pounds, showed really good hands, staying underneath the defensive ends, pad level, in pass protection, very physical at the point of attack as well. Pretty good hips to get around in a hurry to seal off the defender on a run play to the perimeter to the right. Um, so... I think Matthew Bergeron's a guy that we definitely should be taking a look at. You know, could he be a late day two, early day three? I think there's definitely a possibility there for Matthew Bergeron. USC had the late game against Fresno State. Winners 45-17. And Jordan Addison to me, look, I watched Kayshawn Bouti there for, for LSU. I don't like the body language. I know he's getting frustrated, not always getting the football, but you know, it, it bothers me watching that that body language out there on the field. Jackson Smith and Jigba, I know he's battling the injury, but look, Jordan Addison is proving that he is the most NFL-ready receiver in this year's draft class. To me, he's the number one wideout. He should be a top 10 pick. Six foot, 175 pounds, 
reigning Blitnikoff Award winner. Um, look, you know, against Fresno State, makes a quick, takes a quick throw, makes the first man miss, gets to the outside, speed up the field for 13 yards, stutter at the line with the release, gets outside from the slot, gets his head around to the quarterback, then a plant, cuts to the outside, creates some separation on the defensive back, runs toward the front pylon, throws a little low, goes down to get it, arms underneath the ball for a two-yard touchdown, just snapped that route off so quickly, uh, makes the catch to the inside, spins by the cornerback to the outside to pick up 20 yards, just so dynamic with the football in his hand. Runs 10 yards, plants, cuts to the inside on a slant, gets that inside position, ball is out as soon as that head is around, makes the catch, explodes up the field for 20 yards. But look, he's also a good teammate. Mario Williams came in motion, catches a swing pass. There's a block on the outside by Addison to spring Williams for an extra seven yards. Guy does a little bit of everything. To me, that's your guy if you're talking about the number one wideout in this year's draft class. Um, what you love about USC, they had two running backs hit over 100 yards, uh, Travis Dye and Austin Jones. Uh, with Austin Jones, really both of these guys, they, their ability to pick up the blitzing linebackers was definitely impressive. Austin Jones, tremendous hands as a pass catcher. Um, got around the edge. Once he has a lane, he accelerates through the hole, picked up a 44-yard gainer. When you look at uh, Travis Dye, I think it's the, the leg drive and the ability to push the pile for extra yards that's so impressive. But you see him catch a screen pass, good speed down the field as well. Um, you know, really sold the route. You know, exceptionally well bluffed as a blocker on fourth and four that makes the pet the catch strong with the power to get the first down after that play as well very patient as a runner waits behind his blockers uh, you know I, I think Travis die Austin Jones as well two guys who should hear their name called in next season's draft if we're talking about the defensive side of the football for USC can we just talk about Tuli Tui Pelotu and look I know everyone's going to talk about Eric Gentry, and look, he's only a sophomore, so we can't talk about him in this year's draft. The freak of nature, 6'6", what, 210, 220 pounds, so lanky, has tremendous length, I think a seven-foot wingspan. It's absolutely ridiculous what that guy has in terms of the physical skills, but Tuli Tui Pelotu, 6'4", 290 pounds, is so freaking quick. Uses those hands to get into the right tackle, uses a rip move to come off that block, turns the corner in a hurry, sacks the quarterback uh, at the end of the first half. Uh, you know, quick get off, rip through, uh, gets to the corner, gets a second sack in that game, four tackles, two sacks on the day. To me, he's my number three defensive tackle. I think right behind Jalen Carter and Brian Brissi, Tuli Tui Pelotu is a guy that can take over a game on the interior for the Trojans. I think there's no doubt about that. Poor Jake Hayner had the, the ankle injury, really couldn't get things going. I thought Fresno State, towards the end of the half, started to move the ball a little bit, ended his day, you know, 10 of 18, 117 yards, a touchdown and an interception. Speaking of LSU, speaking of Keishon Bouti, uh, you know, just three catches for 31 yards, but LSU was able to take down Mississippi State. Um, and look, you know, what I see there with Jaden Daniels, this is a quarterback that I think he's just not on the same page with Bouti, and I think that's why Bouti's getting as frustrated as he is. Um, it seems like the chemistry there with both him and Malik Neighbors, it's much better. I don't like the decision-making. Yes, he's, he's dynamic as a runner, and that's something that he can really take away. Um, had 16 carries for 93 yards and a touchdown. Um, it was 22 with 37 for 210 yards and, and a touchdown as a passer. I'm just not sold on, on Jaden Daniels because he's so inconsistent game in and game out. What I did like about Keishon Bouti, look, six foot, 190 pounds. He's able to separate 18 yards on an outbreaking route, plucks the ball with his hands away from his frame, made a nice play there. And look, we know what Bouti is capable of. You know, there's no doubt about that. That's why I haven't moved him out of my top three. But right now he's sitting at number three behind Addison and Smith and Jigba. I think if there was anyone that impressed me on that LSU team, it had to be B.J. Ojolari. Four tackles, one and a half sacks, two and a half tackles for loss. This guy just always seemed to be chasing after Will Rogers. Comes off the edge, uses his hands, uh, 
runs through the running back as well on another play. So he ran through two blocks, comes around, gets to the quarterback. You see rip moves. You see um, his ability to dip underneath the tackle and, and use a speed rush. Uh, just so active. And, and his ability to make plays against the running back behind the line of scrimmage as well. Um, you know, he rushed over the guard, starts to the outside to get the guard leading, then a quick move back inside, uses his hands to clear, gets downhill to the quarterback. 6'3", 250 pounds. Ojolari is going to be an outside linebacker at the next level. Let him play in space, use a lot of that effort and that, that relentlessness. He's one of those guys that motor never stops, and you love to see that. You know, and the, the, the athleticism is off the charts with him to boot. So he's one of those guys that is one of my favorite guys to watch play uh, in the SEC. NC State takes down Texas Tech, 27-14. Te uh, Tech, look, I, I think you have to talk about Tyree Wilson. And when you're talking about defensive ends, Tyree Wilson is, he looks the part. First and foremost, I think that's one of the things that we can absolutely say. 6'6", 275 pounds. You love out of Tyree Wilson is the speed to power. This is a guy that plays with exceptional physicality. I love the hands as well. You see him rip under the left tackle with the inside arm, uses the outside arm to slap the, slap at the elbow to clear after he gets that, that corner and, and, and gets to the quarterback. You see the speed off the edge. If he's un, unblocked, he's going to chase down the running back from the line. Um, you know, plays with his hand in the dirt. You'll see some as a stand-up rush end as well. But it was the bull rush. It was that physicality. When he gets his hands on you, he's going to make you pay. You know, there were a lot of times they were throwing double teams at him, and he was forcing his way between the left tackle and the left guard. Then he shows that burst to get to the quarterback, slung the quarterback down. I thought one of the more impressive plays to get his second sack of the game. It was a third and five play. Dips that inside shoulder into the right tackle. Drives him back towards the quarterback. And then once he had an angle attacking the left shoulder up the field, and as that right tackle slid over, he then transitioned across the face of the right tackle. And then with the slap and an arm over to the right at the quarterback, brought him down for, for the sack. The physicality, the hand usage, the ability to set his man up, cross the face, going inside, going outside. To me, Tyree Wilson is the total package here. You know, I think he had 11 tackles on the game, two of those for sacks, three and a half tackles for loss. He's just a beast. He's a dude and, and, and a guy that I think should be a first-round pick. Uh, he's one of my top two or three defensive ends in this year's draft class. And then AM, we know what happened against App State. They take on Miami. Winners 17-9. A game that didn't have a ton of offense, but look, Devin A. Shane, a guy that, look, we've got to be talking about him as a top five running back. 18 carries, 88 yards, along with four receptions for 38 yards and a touchdown. Also did some damage as a kick returner in the game as well. Um, but when you talk about Devin A. Shane, um, you talk about the speed. I think that's really the biggest thing that everybody wants to mention. You know, and he's got that legit... Um, world-class sprinter speed but what you love about him he'll press the line at the line of scrimmage he'll see that the left side is bottled up he'll see that hole to the right foot in the ground cuts it to the right shows that quick acceleration to get to the second level and takes off down the football field um, you really got to stop him before he gets going because once he gets that burst that quick acceleration he's up to full speed within a couple of steps and once he's there, there aren't many guys in the league who are going to be able to stop him when he gets out there with that speed. Had a 25-yard touchdown reception, catches the swing pass out of the backfield, gets to the sideline, actually runs through a DB tackle, uh, cuts it back to the inside at the 10 after a stutter. James Williams comes through with an arm tackle, misses, cuts up the field, avoids two more defenders. Again, dynamic in space. Devin A. Chain, he's, he's not the biggest guy, 5'9", 185 pounds, but speed kills. You can't teach speed, and this dude absolutely has a ton of it. Layden Robinson, one of the better guards of this year's draft. I didn't mention him with some of the other group of, of guards at the top. I should have. Uh, 6'4", 330 pounds. This is a dude who gets out quickly on his pulls, gets out in front. You love his hands and pass protection. Defensive tackle tried to give a head fake. 
didn't fall for it. Hands continue to stay inside. You love the, the footwork as well. Very you know, short, choppy feet. Keeps his man in front. Power in his hands as well when he's striking the defender's chest. You love to see him pull, gets out, smothers the defender on the edge, which I absolutely love. Then drives him to the ground. Really just absolutely manhandled him on the outside. You know, another guy that we're going to love talking about is going to be Bryce Foster. In this game, he was back. He was injured. 6'5", 325 pounds, only a sophomore. But this guy looks like an NFL center already. He'll be a guy that we'll be talking about as a potential first-round pick in next year's draft. Will Layton Robinson be a first-round guard? I, I think second round is probably more realistic for him. But definitely a guy I love the physicality. That's one of the things that I really enjoy watching. Um with that interior line play and he absolutely is one of those guys you know, reminds you a lot of Kenyon Green Antonio Johnson I mean look could very well be the top safety in the draft um, also plays uh, the nickel there for A&M um, there was a return route underneath he, he widened in zone coverage and then when the wide receiver catches the ball over the middle drove on it put his shoulder into the thigh pad to upend the receiver after a short game Ultimately forced a fourth and five and a field goal. It was only a two-yard gain on this play. Um, you know, I, I thought it was a tremendous play there by Antonio Johnson. Really intelligent player. Um, always seems to be around the football. You know, led the team in tackles, eight tackles. Also got a hit on the quarterback as well. He's one of my favorite players to watch because 27 always seems to be flying around and making plays on the football. And then there's Tyler Van Dyke, 6'4", 224 pounds. Didn't have the best day, 21 of 41, 217 yards. Really started off the game, um, really making some nice throws. Long throw from the right hash to the left sideline, outside the numbers. Drives the football on a line to the receiver. Um, did a good job leading the, the, the running back on an out route. Drops his arm angle to get the ball around a defensive tackle. We had a hand in the passing lane. We'd like to see that as well. Hits his, his tight end on a wheel route allowing the receiver to, to make a play, but he struggled with consistency. Six of 16 for 66 yards in the first half. This was really against a depleted secondary as well. Um, you know, he was throwing behind receivers. That was something that, that really um, led the receiver right into Damani Richardson in zone coverage, who ultimately lit the receiver up. I, I think Damani Richardson ultimately was called for targeting on that play. Um, and so he was out for the game. So you could have taken advantage of that. The biggest thing is, is he stares down his initial reads. And I think that really got him into trouble, um, was kind of allowing these, these corners to read his eyes um, and make plays on the ball. Uh, it just was far too inaccurate. You know, not enough touch on a lot of his throws. Um, and so that, that really showed in his play. The guy, look, he can move around a little bit, but he's more of a pocket passer. If you don't believe me, they actually mentioned on the broadcast that Van Dyke, 26 of his 28 touchdowns were from within the pocket. So I think that really speaks volumes there. Van Dyke's just got to clean up a, a lot. He's got to become way more consistent, needs to not stare down those initial reads, needs to see the entire field. And look, a lot of these younger quarterbacks, they're, they're struggling with that. And it's not just Van Dyke. You have to look at Caleb Williams at USC. For all the hype with him, the Heisman talk as well, this is a guy that's missing a lot of wide open receivers. Guys, you know, either to the wide side or to the near side, he's just not seeing the entire field. If he did that, then he'd be on target, hitting a lot of these wide open guys to make big plays, and he's missing those guys. So a lot of these younger quarterbacks... You know, I, I think Van Dyke, for as much hype as we have around him, if he enters the draft, I think there's going to be some time that a quarterback coach needs to spend with him before he'll be ready to take on an NFL-style defense. I honestly believe he needs to come back and play another year at Miami, minimum, before he is ready for the NFL. And really, when we're talking about that, then he gets into a camp and it'll probably be a couple of more years before he really sees the field after that. To me, Van Dyke, there are some of that physical talent, but but you got to clean up the mistakes and the poor play. So that'll about do it for Episode 9 of the 2023 Podcast Series. Week 3 is now in the books. 
I'm working through week four so we can get everything caught up and back on track. I would say in the next couple of days, I'm going to go ahead and release another podcast. There's a lot to like about week four as well. A lot of intriguing matchups, close calls, exciting games. And I'll make sure to bring all of that to you here, like I said, in the next couple of days. But until next time, for ReadyForTheDraft.com, this has been the Ready For The Draft podcast. I've been your host, Greg Schutz. Take care, everyone. Have a great week. And until next time, I am out of here.